Welcome to Epic Moses, the teaching ministry of Chris Morgan. May the light of God illuminate your heart and may the truth make you free as you listen. In life on our planet, there are certain factors which determine the success or failure of any endeavor. One of such factors is that of leadership. Like they say, everything rises and falls with leadership. In my short time on the earth, one of the things I have come to know is that it matters who is leading you. So much can happen in the course of a leader-follower venture. It can be extremely beneficial to the follower and it can be totally catastrophic. It can have major effect on the life experience of individuals, organizations, families, nations. The manner of emergence of a leader is also a big issue and can lead to a long chain of consequences with effects that can be hard to believe. In this podcast, I want to explore the subject of leadership to separate truth from falsehood, propriety from impropriety, according to the model which our Lord Jesus Christ left for us while still in the human body. What exactly is the principle Christ left for us of this matter and how well have we followed this principle? I will approach this topic from two fronts. The first will be to look at the principle of leadership as it pertains to Christ and his body. And then I will also give a few examples of wrong leadership and the extent of its consequences on the nucleus and the larger society. There is a general view that God is in control of the affairs of men. While I agree to an extent that there is an overarching oversight by divine forces on the basis of the sovereignty of God, the life experience of humans have a lot to do with the choices made by human beings. These choices can be that of the individual in their own lives, but it also can be choices made in places far removed from the people who eventually suffer the consequences. Nothing brings greater disruption to the peace and harmony of any people than the choice of leader put over their affairs. Now, as a Nigerian, this matter is something we as citizens have had to deal with over the years in our country. And if no one knows the extent of damage improper leadership can cause, I believe the average Nigerian knows it. This question of leadership also came up among the disciples of Christ when he was still with them. And he took several steps to set up a leadership principle by which he said his kingdom will be ran. An argument arose among the disciples of Christ about who would be the greatest among them in his absence. Now, as usual, they had believed that whoever was going to be the greatest 
will have the benefits of authority and power and therefore exercise control over the rest. Now this is how the world works. But let's see how Christ responded to this matter in Mark 10, 42 and 43. It reads, But Christ called them to him and said unto them, You know that those who are chosen to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Whoever will be great among you shall be your servant. In settling the argument between his men, Christ declared that the leadership in his kingdom is not going to be as it is in larger society. We know that the leaders normally exercise control over those they are leading and they are served by their followers. However, in the kingdom of Christ, he declares that this will be the opposite. The one who will be recognized by his government must be the servant of all. So greatness in the kingdom must be by service, not by authority and power. Christ then later went ahead in another place to demonstrate what he was talking about by washing the feet of his disciples. Now, washing of feet is not really a thing practiced in this day because we mostly wear shoes which covers our feet. In those days, the best you could get to wear were sandals, which only protects under your feet. Every other part of your feet and ankle were exposed to the elements. And in addition, paved roads were very rare in those days, so you can imagine how dirty the feet of everyone must have been all the time. So the norm was that when people came from the outside into the house, it was complimentary to have their feet washed by a servant as they served refreshments. In washing the feet of his disciples, Christ demonstrated that the greatest of all must be prepared to do the most menial jobs for the service of the brethren. Or, as the Bible usually puts it, to minister to them. I know that there are places today where they practice washing of feet as a ceremony, but the original intent by Christ was for us to put the attitude of service into our daily lives, not for public display of piety. It's about not feeling too big to serve your brother in Christ. Now, a colleague of mine approached me recently to ask about issues around the word minister and its application in a Bible verse. Now, in response, I said it is unfortunate that the word minister has taken a totally different meaning in our time. Because in the Bible, a minister is simply a servant. One who ministers is simply one who serves. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with God. Once you are serving anyone, you are their minister. A minister is actually the opposite of a master. However, today, when you hear minister, you're thinking immediately about a master 
because of how its application has been altered in the direction of our changing values as privilege rather than responsibility. No one wants to be a servant anymore, so even the ministers have transformed into masters. We immediately think of preaching, public praying, government positions with all its glory and honor, or some highly placed activity in society. Now the results of this anomaly is that ministry in church has attracted all kinds of characters. It has become a channel through which humans can fulfill their lust for power and honor, taking advantage of their fellow men. Ministry is now sought after by all kinds of people who may not even have the basic willingness to serve their fellow man as its meaning entails. This especially becomes an issue when trying to interpret places in scripture with the word minister. Because we now have a wrong impression about it and this snowballs into errors and so on and so forth. This single misunderstanding of Christian leadership principle has led to countless issues in the body of Christ. Though it was well articulated as an issue by the Lord himself when he was here. Seeing that Christ took time to address this important issue when he was with us, one wonders why it continues to be a problem even within the Christian bodies. You might be thinking I'm speaking of things happening only recently, but I'm speaking of happenings even in the time of the disciples to whom Christ spoke directly. Many people are not aware of this, but after the ascension of the Lord, the leadership of the church at Jerusalem did not fall to Peter, James or John, the sons of Zebedee. No, but rather it fell on James, the natural sibling of Jesus. Or should I say his half-brother, since Jesus had no earthly father. When Christ walked the earth, there was no mention at all of his brother. Neither was he one of the disciples chosen by the Lord. Why then did they give him leadership over others when he was never there to serve with the Lord in his lifetime? This is because of the greatest barrier to the working of anything innovative, including the Word of God. And that barrier is tradition. In Mark 7.13, Christ accused the Jews of nullifying the Word of God by their traditions. The people in that part of the world believed strongly in dynasties. They believed sons must inherit all benefits from their fathers or at least someone in the family must get it. Though when the Lord was with them, he continued to say openly that he did not recognize anything called mother, brother, sister in his kingdom. He said all his followers are his family members. Yet, once he was gone, they threw everything he said away and followed their tradition. This attitude is still a big problem till today. People quickly revert to tradition at moments of import to the detriment of the progress of their endeavors. Nothing was said about how this choice affected the church at Jerusalem, but 
that church shortly became quite irrelevant because it was scattered by tribulation. I personally believe that it was the Lord himself who scattered it. After all, there was much tribulation in Rome, yet the church remained intact. The matter I just spoke of is an ongoing phenomenon in church organizations. Nepotism has taken root in the culture of many religions. It may not have caused so much problems in Christianity, but in a religion like Islam, where the same thing happened, it has been a cause of much bloodshed for hundreds of years. Now I understand that after the death of Mohammed, some believed his son-in-law, who was his closest relative, should take over, though he was never really a disciple of the man, while others simply followed the most senior disciple. That is why Islam has the Sunnis and the Shiites who are killing each other till date. It's also where the culture of terrorism, which was never a part of their original doctrine. This matter didn't have noticeable impact in Christianity because of a well-established culture of peace, but I know it had its subtle effects. The emergence of leaders who have no real spiritual foundation, but merely on the basis of blood relationship or social acceptance has been a bane of our religious bodies for centuries. The misunderstanding of who a minister is and the requirements has led to the practice of leaders feeding off members rather than leaders feeding the members, as Christ clearly instructed Peter in John 21:17 before his departure. This is another issue. Some have in recent times created an escape route by interpreting the feeding spoken by Christ in that scripture as preaching. But that's just an escape route. A pastor is supposed to be a shepherd who is meant to tend to the welfare of the sheep physically since Christ has already taken care of the spiritual aspects of our needs. However, a misapplication of these concepts have left many handicapped in their understanding of these matters, which has led them to so many errors. It is therefore not really their fault, but a knowledge deficit. Now when we return for the concluding part of this study, we will go into some of the full impacts of these errors and how they came to be. Whether it's on a personal level or on a corporate level, the choice of leadership is so critical to the quality of life that any people will lead on earth. Under the right leadership, even the sky is not the limit, but under the wrong leader, there is no depth that things cannot go in its descent. We will also give tips on what to look out for in a leader to prevent you from falling victim in these perilous times. So please join me again next time as we conclude on this topic. So thank you so much for listening and God bless you. We hope you were blessed by these teachings. For inquiry, support and contributions, Kindly send us an email on epignosis721 at gmail.com. You can also send us a message via WhatsApp on 234 We would love to hear from you. God bless you.